the straight, belted kick to clear. Ashlaw down the outside, looming very quickly. And down the outside is Malaguir and his enticing star as well. Ashlaw at the 150, enticing star. Georgian now joining in his Voodoo Lad. It's Voodoo Lad. Oliver draws the whip. Voodoo Lad grabs him. Voodoo Lad gets home to win it. Voodoo Lad for Ollie. It's Haydock. He's steadied for Curry. A little more than a length on the WA. Gray up running second. Vital Silver cruising. On the fence, old Rock Magic being followed by Viradine around them. Covering ground between horses. Misty Metal, Malaguira. Then Spirit of Valor, who's right off the track with his run. And Stage Man is starting to sneak up behind them. As Trekking tries to weave his way through. Haydock's cruising at the 200. Haydock, he lets him down. He's stuck a length and a half. Rock Magic's into the clear. He's trying to run him down, but it's Haydock dominant in front. And Haydock all the way. Haydock goes on to win the winner bottom from Vital Silver. Rock Magic trekking. Condor Heroes eventually worked his way to the lead, but he hasn't opened up the field. At the 450, Condor Heroes brings them around the turn from Vital Silver. Just trying to hold Indian Pacific in. They brush tight together, coming into the home corner. Durandell gets a run on their inside. Then Red Can Man followed by Elite Street. Trekking still well back, but coming around heels. Here comes Elite Street. It's Elite Street on the outside. Going with him now is Rock Magic. Rock Magic and Elite Street into the clear. Rattling home Celebrity Queen. Elite Street though. It's Elite Street home in the winner bottom from Celebrity Queen. Welcome to the Western Mail Racing Podcast. On the show we discuss all things Perth racing and preview the Saturday Metro meeting. We'll also be interviewing industry participants but first, it's over to Mike Johnson to get us underway. Welcome back, punters, to another episode of the Western Mail. Not just any episode, though. It's the 50th episode of the show. I uh, didn't think I'd get to number 50, uh, but it's a great privilege to do so and really want to thank uh, Gary Bothwell for his help along the journey as well. Uh, so thanks, Gaz. Uh, but, yeah, thanks to all the listeners as well for tuning in over those 50 episodes. Hopefully, I've been able to steer you into a couple of winners here and there. Uh, but we've got day two of the Tap Touch Master Series uh, on the card this week, winter bottom stage day, after one of the great railway days uh, in living memory for me personally. Thought it was a cracking day's racing. And uh, alongside the winter bottom, uh, we've got the Listed Japan Racing Association Trophy, which is the old tax cup for the stayers. So nine races on the card. Uh, but before we get into anything further, we'll have a look at the recap for last week, railway day. Uh, the preview, we kicked off in race number five uh, with Real Danger, who ran fifth. Uh, got quite a way back in the run uh, and didn't really get warm until the race was kind of decided, or at least that that particular horse wasn't going to win. So not sure whether or not she needs more ground. Uh, but it was nice to see her finish off in any case. Uh, race number six then, uh, Watch Me Dance, was a disappointing night after looking to track up pretty well in the run around midfield. Uh, so she ran ninth, and it's since been revealed that she's been retired from racing and uh, a career as a broodmare likely awaits for Watch Me Dance. So, yeah, big news there out of the Wolf Yard. Uh, then we had Treasured Star uh, came through in the WA Guineas in a really effortless performance. The addition of blinkers was great and Pike just ambled up uh, got to the outside and it was pretty much all over after that. She paid about $2.90 and in the same race, uh, my lay of the day, Bazoom, who managed fifth, 
uh, just got quite a way back. And actually, the money came late, got back into about $3.55 on Betfair. So uh, it was nice to get that one uh, in as well. Uh, Western Empire, I think pretty much every man in his loom uh, were on that one there at $1.70. Uh, but just the way that he won was absolutely effortless. Um, you know, just went to another gear and just dropped them uh, pretty, pretty easily. Uh, did think Comfort Me was a massive run in second there. So also, uh, obviously, we congratulate William Pike, uh, Grant Alana, William, Mr. Peters. But a uh, big shout out to Reese Radford as well and Peter Nucky for their uh, combination on Comfort Me, the horses flying and uh, those colours in the railway. I mean, he had great shots uh, back in 2017, did Reese. So, yeah, really, uh, really great result for them. But, yeah, it was just a, a great race. And I also thought uh, Channel 10 deserves some kudos as well because the pictures uh, on Saturday were just phenomenal. Uh, some kind of HD set up there. Uh, it was really crisp, really clean. Uh, really enjoyed also the camera on the inner grass of the mounting yard. Just kind of gives you another perspective of the horses while they're parading. So uh, hopefully these kind of measures do hang around after the Master Series has finished. Before we get into the preview proper, we're going to go to a short break. And on the other side is this week's very special guest. Don't go away. Welcome back, punters. So my guest this week is fresh off a huge railway stakes day. He brought up five winners, including the railway stakes with Western Empire and the WA Guineas on Treasured Star as well. It's an absolute honour to be able to welcome William Pike to the show. G'day, William. Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. And firstly, congratulations on what was a huge railway day for yourself personally. Uh, we know in recent years you've made the railway meeting your own, I guess. So, but where would Saturday rank in terms of your best days in the saddle? Yeah, definitely right up there, like uh, five winners on a, on a key day like that. Um, and obviously the railway stakes, which is uh, from a jockey's perspective, I think here in WA, the, the pinnacle of, of racing, uh, of the race that we, if anyone said, which one would you like to win? I think most would say the railway stakes. So um, I would have been happy just coming away with that race for the day, but uh, I was lucky enough to end up with five and, and a guineas on top as well. So that's not been a very easy race for me to win. So um, pretty happy to get that one on ticked off as well. Yeah, excellent. And it seemed to me like you were getting your eye in nice and early on the day. We had fewer devotion in the first to get you off to a flyer and then uh, expressionist, I think, race three. And then I probably thought the most patient ride of the day, not just from yourself, but for the whole meet was pro consent when it looked like you might not get a crack, might not get out, but as I say, was incredibly patient. So did that start really help with any pre-railway nerves that you might have had going in? Yeah, it, it did. Um, I'm normally not a huge believer in sort of momentum and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, if a horse gives you a feel underneath it, you, you switch on pretty quick. Um, yep. So normally I'm not, but I will say this particular year, I, I put in a couple of shocking rides leading up to Saturday and it was good to good to get a win on the board. Just um, uh, was I felt almost not just for myself, just so that just keep everyone off my back uh, for the time being. And 
so that I could you know, really show my best camera away. That sounds great, mate. And I wanted to ask you as well about real danger in the Placid Arc Stakes. Uh, to me, it looked like there was good pace in the race and she did clock the best last 600, about 34, 36. Uh, but to me, it just seemed like perhaps she's screaming for, for maybe 14 or 1600. Would you agree with that? I'm not too sure how to, um, how to assess her. I was kicking myself on the day. I thought maybe I should have thrown caution to the wind and gone forward at the risk of being caught wide without cover because the speed actually just wasn't there in the end. We actually went very slow in the race and it was okay. fantastic effort for her to reel off those sectionals. That's why I was, I was left that one a bit frustrated because she reeled off winning sectionals but from an impossible position. So yeah, I, I don't know, can she reel those sectionals off over further? Or was it because the race was run so slow that she ran those sectionals? But all I know is she probably impressed me um, being able to hit the line like that in that class when really she probably only won sort of some easy northern races beforehand. She definitely, she went up a notch in my book. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but uh, it probably doesn't really answer any questions <laughs> on what distance is best because I don't really know because she feels like a 1,200-metre sprinter. But uh, the way she ran home suggests not that she'll get further. So yeah, no, fair enough. Well, I guess with with uh, Mr. Peter's horses that they are quite versatile, in my opinion. So maybe she can get out further. I guess time will tell. But uh, speaking of of other runners, a treasured star for me seemed to benefit big time with the addition of blinkers in the guineas there, and was the only runner to run a sub thirty five second last six hundred in the race and. Just watching it, it looked effortless. I mean, you you were absolutely cruising to the turn, and then uh, to me, it suggested perhaps she didn't get or was fully tested. Um, would would that be a fair comment to make based on watching? Yeah, um, it sort of seems. I don't know. Sort of going right back to the start of your comment. I don't know if it was the blinkers or just I rode her better. Yeah. Um, last start, I was down on the inside, cutting corners, which was perfectly fine but then I made a crucial error at a really bad time and that was it was actually pretty horrible so this ties into earlier where I was saying I rode pretty ordinary leading up to the day and she was one of the main ones that I got I got I didn't get it wrong by cutting the corner and getting held up I got it wrong by making a, a wrong decision at a wrong time and you know there's one thing getting held up and there's another hitting an absolute dead end and nearly killing myself and the horse. So um, that's the only way I can put it. There's no way to sugarcoat yeah. it. So the blinkers were probably to keep everybody happy. At the end of the day, all I did was keep her out of the trouble and she was too good for them. And, yeah, that's probably what it was. She, she was too good for them. I got her in the clear and showed, showed everyone what she had to offer or she showed everyone what she had to offer. Yeah, no, fair enough. And... Uh... Going on from that, obviously, Western Empire was utterly dominant in the big one, uh, was untouched. I don't think I've seen a winner untouched in the railway in my years of racing, one by four lengths. And just, again, watching that looked, looked to be absolutely cruising. Um, quite a few people were saying they knew before the turn it was going to be a matter of, of how much. But uh, what I was quite keen to know was, was it always the plan to, to go and stalk the speed out of that really nice gate um, from gate, gate three? Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's probably not like your traditional Bob Peters runner that sort of always seems to be back and, and in the ruck. 
he has always shown good gate speed. And from that barrier, I just did not want to risk being caught. Yeah, yeah, he probably would have been happy to sit two, three spots further back if I if he but I couldn't, I just couldn't allow that from barrier yeah. three with every everyone gonna be bearing down on top of me. Uh, I had to make sure I got away clean and he did that. And and really he was the best horse in the race, and his price suggested that, but he won the race out of the barriers. The way he stepped so clean and so fast, I was able to put him in a commanding position, um, comfort me, come around me, and sort of just just harass me a bit. For to there was half a spot in front of me, and, and Peter Nucky actually rode a really good race. He jumped from barrier fifteen, ended up one one, and it was a it was a fantastic ride. He actually sort of got himself in my spot and. I didn't want to get in an argument about it. I was like, oh, you have the spot and I'll come back so that I can have clear running whenever I want it. And pretty much the horse was too good. But it's, it's all well and good sitting here saying that now. But it just definitely isn't like that leading into it. It's, it's a railway stakes. It's a group yeah. one. You don't normally get to dominate a race like that. And, uh, yeah, I think um, right horse, right barrier. And, and you just know... You know, the, the Peters breeding, backing them up, and then the way Grant and Alana prepped them, they just peaked them on the big days. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, they, they're absolute masters, um, has to be said. You know, and I, I originally I had a few doubts with Western Empire, not in the railway, but previously in, in the Asian bow, because I know that it'd been scratched from the northerly to go into the Asian bow first up, but just dispelled any queries I had uh, with the plom. But uh, yeah, that was just an amazing win and I mean I was I was just I was buzzing afterwards I mean I just to see such a performance and you know actually I, I felt like I had to compare the times from last year with Inspirational Girl I mean her, her overall time was a bit quicker than Western Empires but his last 600 of 33.93 was just over half a second quicker I mean are they possible to compare in terms of the feel that they give you in a race uh, tractability that kind of thing Oh, they're not easy to compare because they're completely different. Inspirational girl would be sort of back and wouldn't get on the bridle until the second half of the race or, or you know, nearly a lot later. And uh, whereas he is a lot more willing, he jumps quick, he, he can put himself there and he travels uh, with conviction the whole way. Whereas she kind of, she had to work her way up onto the bridle and, uh, even in last year, I, I was in a lot of trouble and then it was probably about the 700, maybe 600, where she got up on the bridle nice and strong and I went, oh, I'm, I'm riding this if I can find some clear running, where yep. he he was always there for me. All I needed to do was keep him keep him in the clear and that's kind of what I did. I, I didn't try to get too clever. I didn't try to get too cute. We're in a good spot. I popped out early and, yeah, let him rip. Uh, excellent, mate. And it's it's amazing to think that he was, you know, he, he won his maiden back in January. And, you know, since then he's gone to win um, three listed races, a group two, a group three, now a group one. So it's a meteoric rise, one would say. Yeah, um, it probably, probably took him a little longer to break his maiden than normal. He didn't, uh, I think he only had two easy assignments and then he went into some pretty, pretty hard races and, he acquitted himself, but well, he ended up going into a guineas as a maid and run fourth from an outside barrier. Yeah. Uh, I think he might have, I think he might have even sat four wide in one of his earlier runs and just got pipped on the line. 
his his runs were really good without winning in some really tough races. And then I think the early ones, he was actually quite a difficult horse to ride. I remember my first ever ride on him uh, after returning. I come back from I rode him in the guineas. And I remember saying I felt like a passenger. He did what he wanted. And I kind of, I kind of sort of had to go along and because he, he was in control of me. Whereas <laughs> the difference now is he's come around and he lets, he lets us um, guide him a bit now. And that's, yeah. that's the, all the difference is. And, and that goes to show, and that's why I think Grant and Alana, and, and I suppose Alana is a big influence in this part. That's her work at home that she does getting him to come around our way, which yeah. really wasn't an easy task because he's such a big, strong horse. And he was never actually, never going to go down the line to saying he was a rogue, or did, but he was just difficult. He was big, strong, and threw his weight around a bit and couldn't win a maiden that way. But when they were able to finish moulding him and, and get him to settle down, now he's strung a heap of races together and winning railways. Excellent. And does he have another run or two in him this prep or, or is that it as far as you're aware? Well, he, he definitely goes to the Kingston town. Uh, so that's the next 1,800 metres. And everyone's going to, yeah, I know he's probably going to go around a you know, red-hot favourite again, which is deserved. But I think everyone should still bear in mind, he rises about five and a half kilos in weight yeah. and he'll meet a, a horse like Regal Power with a huge weight swing. Regal Power's already been there and done that. So I have a lot of respect for a horse like him. But I, I suppose you probably put five five or so kilos on his back in the railway and he still still dominates them. So yeah. maybe I'm uh, just trying to shift some, shift some <laughs> weight around a bit. Yeah, uh, fair enough. So you mentioned Melbourne earlier. It was really great to see you go over there and win the five group ones over last spring and summer. Uh, obviously, COVID's a bit of an issue with getting back, but are there any plans to get back next year and maybe with Western Empire and an all-star mile, for example? Yeah, that would be really nice if I could follow him across because there's no doubt that um, he will have to head that way. Um, it would be nice, but just the, the problem with, with, with COVID at the moment, what the landscape looks like, it, it changed, it's still... Oh, it feels like it's been going on forever now, doesn't it? Yeah, and, um, it does, yeah. And way back even, you know, 12 months ago, it was changing daily. We're 12 months on and it, and it still feels like every weekend there's a there's new situations un, un, you know, unravelling. So fingers crossed things do settle down and some normality can come back because I've, I've said all along, I don't want to go over there and park up for three, four months at a time like I did last time but, it was great that I had the success, but I, I don't know. I've done it. I don't want to do it that way again. If I could fly in and out and follow a horse like Western Empire across, like I did the first time with a Regal Power yeah. and sort of then later on into Arcadia Queens and a few of the others, you know, the horses took me across basically. And, and as far as the Regal Power one went for the All-Star Mile, I flew, flew in and out every weekend for the runs and it was that was perfect. That was right, really what I would rather do. Yeah. So unless I could do that, then I don't suppose I'll be going east. But if I can do the hit and run missions, I would, I would love to keep trying to duck in and out winning winning races. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed uh, we get some, some progress, I suppose, in terms of the border over Christmas. So obviously this season you've, you're back 
from the start of the season in WA. You're back on top of the Australian and WA premierships, around 100 winners already. So obviously the picture of my background with the record for the season before last with 239, uh, it looks like you could be a real chance to, to get close to that or even break that again. Is that something that you set your sights on at the start of the season? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I don't normally set too big of goals. Like I normally just, I've been able to pretty consistently go and get 100 Metropolitan winners in the last few seasons. So that's a goal. I aim for that 100 Metro winners. And it's very, it is achievable with the rides I get. Barring suspensions and, and injuries, they're the main hiccups, I guess. The, I get the quality. But uh, as far as overall Australian wins, um, well, I'd probably like to have a few more holidays this time. That year when I set that, it, there, was, there was no there was no rest. It was um, so yeah. But and I think also I've, I've got quite a few wins on the board because I went to, went to a few um, Kalgoorlie meetings and that a lot earlier than I would have in years past. Um, so I probably boost my tally along a bit, which was which is nice. I'll take it, but uh, not something yeah. I'm planning on doing all, all year long. No, fair enough. So. With the winter bottom stakes coming up this weekend, William, as well, I know that you've got a graceful girl locked in for the big one. Uh, how's, or have you had any updates on her since the weekend and, and how she might be travelling for, for the big race? Um, no necessarily updates, which is sometimes good. No news is good news. But, uh, look, I know the horse. She's got a wonderful attitude. She's got a can-do attitude, attacks the line. And, look, Elite Street's obviously going to be the one to beat. He, um, he's been pretty dominant in these lead-up races and everyone has to go and meet him on his weight terms. So everybody's up against it as far as he's concerned. But if he has a bad day, I know the attitude of my horse. She will attack the line. If I get a sort of even run and then he has an off day, I, I can win the race. And, and I, do, I just enjoy riding a horse like her because she's got that real can-do attitude. Yeah. Uh, it sounds excellent. It's going to be a cracker of a race. And, and like you say, Elite Street is very hard to beat on paper. is in top form, but anything can happen on race day. So I uh, wish you the best of luck with Graceful Girl and uh, any of the other rides that you'll be taking on the day. Uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you on the podcast. Um, yeah, really appreciate your time. And on behalf of all the listeners, uh, we just want to say all the best for Winter Bottom Stakes Day going forward as well. So thanks a lot, William. You know, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, fingers crossed me, uh, I can hold form right through till the new year because uh, I suppose Perth Cups, when it all settles back down again. Um, but definitely nice to, to um, uh, find a bit of form and, and do it on a big day. So hopefully I can carry it through from here and uh, maybe come back on and we can chat about some more big wins, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, you'd be welcome back anytime. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate it, William, and thanks once again, mate. No, not a problem. Thank you. Yeah, huge thanks to Willie Pike for joining me this week. Uh, it was a really interesting chat. Um, loved speaking to William. Uh, it was a massive buzz for me, and uh, hopefully William can keep booting home the winners uh, starting from this so, Saturday. Yeah, we'll head over to start the preview proper. We're looking at another good four track. And the rail is at six metres uh, for this meeting. So, yeah, should be uh, some good racing. It's going to be hot as well, around 35 degrees with some northeasterly winds uh, until around mid-afternoon. So probably the first half of the card. 
Uh, and this preview, I'm going to be covering the two main races. So we'll start at race number seven, and that is the listed Japan Racing Association Trophy at 2,100 metres. And we start to see runners uh, plot their path to the Perth Cup here. Uh, I've been impressed with the last couple of runs, actually, of Poulton Sands here. Uh, looks like he's been building pretty nicely towards a staying trip. The son of Camelot, he's had three fifth placings since heading west and did run the quickest last 600, two back in a 60-plus behind big screen, a clock to 34.68 there. Then went to the Ascot Gold Cup uh, last time out. Was again doing his best work late there over the 1,800. He was 3.3 legs behind Midnight Blue. Uh, gets two and a half kilos on that runner here, still gets in on the minimum, uh, but just thought he'd really enjoy the step up from 18 to 21 for his next assignment here. Uh, but he is drawn the inside as well. So he goes from some wide-ish alleys out into the gate one. So may not have to go as far back as he has done in the past few runs. So I think if we see him lob around midfield in transit here, I think he could surprise a few late on. He's rock hard fit now, comes here fourth up, as uh, racing well without winning. Uh, but look, I'm happy to have something on each way at the price uh, at about $26 and $6. So... Probably more on the place side of things, maybe a, a one by four or a two by three, that kind of thing. But uh, I think he's racing well enough and uh, gets a really good chance to, to surprise here from the nice draw. Shouldn't do much work and doesn't have to go back as far as he normally would. So pretty keen to be on Poulton Sands in race number seven. So from there, over the main race of the day, it is the Group 1 Crown Perth Winterbottom Stakes over the 1,200. Race number eight on the card. Despite no interstate runners being present for this year's Masters, and the local contingent do ensure once again that we've got eight horses with a rating of at least 101 taking part in this sprint feature. So again, much like I touched on last week, uh, you know, it's not a benchmark 80 or 84. Uh, it's a genuine group one. So if anyone thinks otherwise, well, I just uh, point you to the ratings of these runners because uh, it's going to be a great race. Uh, Elite Street's the defending champ. So he'll be the horse to beat, and rightfully so. Maps, ideally, I thought as well, uh, with the pace, probably looks set to be on from the from the get-go there with Will Chino drawn the inside. Icy Red, Icy Red's also drawn low. I've, I've figured him quite forward in the run here. Uh, but there's a lot more early toe outside of those two as well. I mean, I think Caracapo may lob in behind. Uh, Money Matters and Long Beach, all likely to push forward from the lower half of the draw. Uh, we'll also probably see Red Can Man and Indian Pacific probably try and go forward from gates 11 and 12, respectively. Uh, likes of Labor Odd, Rock Magic and Elite Street, I think they can all lobby around midfield behind them. Uh, Elite Street may well end up in the three-wide train with cover, uh, but it's important to remember he won last year's race covering ground uh, while being wide. So, uh, And he did have to do quite a lot of work in the Colonel Reeves last time out from, from a very, very wide alley. So... Not too worried about it. I think it's a decent draw for him. Outrageous and River Bow, they look destined to be covering ground uh, while also being back. Uh, Flirtini, Cup Knight and Stage Man, uh, they'll be right out the back, I think, along with Graceful Girl, who's jagged 18 somehow. Uh, but that'll come into 16 after scratchings and surely concedes too much ground from there. Elite Street here is deservedly all the rage after winning all three runs so far this prep. Uh, but the pick of the bunch for me had to be the most recent one in the Group 3, Colonel Reeves. He was jumping from gate 14 to 15 there. 
But Brad Rawley didn't panic uh, when he went back on this Sunday Street Bottom. Just got a really nice cart into the race uh, around the turn. And I think the way that he ambled up to them and got over the top of his rivals on that occasion just suggested to me that he's really going to relish that extra 100 metres on offer here. And I did see some of Brad's comments on Tuesday after track work. Uh, the horse is going about as well as he's ever seen him. So very pleased to hear those comments. I do like the draw as well, as I've previously alluded to, because I think with the map shaping out how it has, he should be able to land midfield either one or two off the fence. Um, and with a frenetic tempo, I think expected from Will Chino and Icy Red, Icy Red, I believe up top, uh, among others, I think there should be some room to manoeuvre for him as runners head for home. So he's definitely uh, flying. And this is the grand final. So, yeah, very, very pleased uh, to be on. Hopefully my uh, double, my early double of uh, Western Empire into Elite Street can do the business here on Saturday. So uh, give it strength if, you, if, if you're also on that one. So while I do think Elite Street will win, I think we can also have a bit of a play on the place here with Rock Magic as well. I think this son of Reduce Choice returned with a really good second in that Crawford Stakes. He was running on nicely from, from well back. Uh, that was over the 1,000 metres. And then looked the box on pretty strongly, I thought, in the Prince of Wales. Again, over the 1,000. Was settled just off midfield there in the group of seven, but less than two lengths behind Elite Street. So I think he'll benefit from the extra distance. And we also cannot ignore the Ganjemi Stable as well. This month alone, they've racked up eight winners from 24 starts at around 33% strike rate. So I think at around $7.50 to place, uh, really happy to have a little something on the place as well on Rock Magic. Um, just on that basis that I think he'll run another big race and it is his final race before retirement. So what a great uh, send-off that would be for him if he was able to, to run a drum in the Group 1 Winter Bottom Stakes at his final ever start. So playing those three, really. So I've got Poulton Lassans, little small spec on the each-way basis in that JRA Trophy, which is the old Tats Cup, and then Elite Street to win the Winter Bottom and uh, a little place bet on Rock Magic as well. But I think with, with the draw, with Will Chino drawing one, she's already coming to really strong support uh, from around $5.50 to about $3.50. So I think the money will probably keep coming for her. So Elite Street may even get back out to around that $3 mark, which I think would be a decent price for him. Uh, he's the class force in the race. Uh, so I think if you can get something around $3, I'd be very keen to be on Elite Street there. Uh, but look, I think overall it's going to be a really good day. Uh, nine races on the card, so uh, enjoy it. Uh, that was the preview this week, the, the two feature races. Uh, 50th episode as well, so really big thanks to everyone for listening over the journey. Uh, hopefully uh, you've, you've learned a few things about Perth racing, uh, about uh, the tracks and whatnot. Hopefully you've enjoyed the listen as well, as much as I've enjoyed producing this show. Um, I'll be back next week uh, with the final day of the Tap Dutch Masters preview, which is the Kingston Town Classic preview. So that will be episode number 51. And until then, a big thank you for listening and we'll catch you later. Bye for now.
And pray again, they turned in the guineas at the 350. Stay safe, loomed up and headed the stable, mate. It's a ray day down the outside, devoted. Here comes Treasured Star, though, and Piker's winding her up. She's coming with a brilliant run on the outside. Treasured Star stormed to the lead from Stay Safe, followed then by Devoted, but Treasured Star has won the guineas brilliantly. Treasured Star beats Stay Safe, Devoted, Bazoom, finishing strongly when it was all Number over. He's at the turn they come, Massimo straight for home, only a half a length over Little Dance Music, about to lay down the gauntlet, here comes the ominous shadow of Western Empire, letting loose on the outside of Comfort Me, Pike's hardly flinched, 150 left to go, and the hot pot storms up, grab the lead, this is all over it's all over, bar the shouting the Empire reigns supreme Western Empire won it by four second home, Comfort Me, kiss on all four cheeks, third ahead of Notorious one, two close the sun, Vela Road Platoon, tell them we're coming mate, dig deep, followed by Son of Bacchus Captain Chaos, dance music she cracked under the pressure, so did Massimo followed further back behind them Naughty by Nature, KC and the Velvet King had trailed them right from the outset